Yes, people, how are we all doing? I hope we're all doing really well. Welcome back to Process, a podcast with myself, Brendan Pearson. So today we have another very special guest on. He is Newcastle United's goalkeeper, Mr. Carl Darlow. So it was a pleasure having Carl on. We talked a lot about his mentality uh, in terms of being a goalkeeper, obviously dealing with high-pressure situations, playing in the Premier League, obviously dealing with a lot of ups and downs, being a goalkeeper, dealing with poor form, dealing with mistakes, dealing with a lot of pressure on social media and criticism from fans, from, from everybody else, and also dealing with being in and out of the team, being a number two for a long period of time and how, how important games are for a goalkeeper. So loads and loads of good pieces of advice, information for any young footballer, any young goalkeeper coming up through the ranks, or just anybody in general who, who wants to learn a bit about mental health, mental toughness, and resilience is another thing that came up a lot. So we'll get straight in for this episode. This is Process. Yes, people, welcome back to Process. Today we're joined by another very special guest, Mr. Carl Darlow, Newcastle United goalkeeper. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Hi, mate. Nice to be here. I know. <laughs> nice to catch up and everything, because it's been a good few years since, since obviously... Back, back in the glory days when I was uh, training with you back in the day, but it's nice to have you on, just talk about your your kind of journey and your kind of upbringing through football, because you've had a decent career, obviously just turned 30 now, so it'd be nice to hear. No, I know. Hopefully, <laughs> keep I it on the down, keep, though. I know, keep, going, keep going up, hopefully. Yeah. Look, I know. Hit 30 and it's a little bit worrying, but um, goalkeeper, <laughs> I've still got a bit of time left, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, plenty, mate. 10 years, hopefully, in the bag. Anyway, so like I said, I just want to talk about your, your journey. Go back to when you first started. Like, how did you get into, well, goalkeeping? How, everyone's got a little story about how they started being a goalkeeper. Yeah, well, basically, I was, um, I love football ever since I was born, pretty much. I was obviously kicking the ball around and stuff like that. So, um, ended up uh, training sessions and just little training sessions with like the kids and stuff at, Six, six, seven. Ended up getting uh, scouted by Aston Villa scout was there. Then went to um, just like one of their little camps that you go to, play some games, and uh, got asked to come on trial. So went on trial as a centre half to start off with. At, uh, eight, eight years old. Um, got signed as a centre half, um, and then obviously I, I went in nets for a couple of games and. Uh, probably the best decision to going in going in goal and staying in goal I think so um, they obviously recognised that I had a bit of a talent to goalkeeping and I loved it as well diving around on the floor and uh, as a kid you just love getting getting in amongst it so um, really kicked off from there and then obviously from eight years old I just followed it all the way through at Villa till I was uh, 16 so it was it was it was good to to be there and, and develop technically and, and do everything that I that I needed to a, a very good academy to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Who we are who we are kind of role models when you were growing up, like goalkeeping wise or just just in general? A uh, role model probably everyone would say Peter Schmeichel of my era I'd say. He was he was the one that was uh, pushing boundaries and making saves that no one had seen before. So he was he was the one at the time and he obviously joined Aston Villa at one point which they excited about obviously and yeah. uh, towards the end of his career. But um he was the one that you'd probably say like from my era that was was one that everyone looked up to and and saw as probably the one that was redefining goalkeeping and and the way people were going about it so uh, yeah it'd be him yeah definitely i'll say i talked to like a lot of lads who i've had on here 
about get, going into like academy setups when you were at a young age, like you were eight years old when you obviously got into it very, very young. Do you feel like you missed out on the, the boys' club aspect or like the aspect of like enjoying football a little bit more, not being so serious? Because obviously when you're in that academy setup, I don't know what it was like obviously at Villa, but in Newcastle it was quite serious from a young age. Yeah, yeah. And like I spoke to Armour about it um, and he's saying like, it would have been nice to have a few more years at that boys' club level to enjoy football and kind of enjoy the that experience and then go into the serious side at a certain level. Do you feel the same way or is it? did you enjoy your... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it always from the start, really. I think facilities-wise and everything that we, we did, I know um, you, you're travelling around the country experiencing different, different places and playing against the best of the other side. So I enjoyed that side of it as well. Um, but like you say, there is massive pressure on it. I think obviously we're, we're training Mondays and Wednesdays and obviously Saturday and then game on Sunday. So we're, we're still being pushed at a young age, but obviously um, having to um, perform as well, knowing that knowing that you were at an academy and you were playing against the best. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I think I would have done it at a club I think to be honest with you because I think if you're at a club yeah you enjoy it and you enjoy the social part but you still ultimately all you want to do is be playing at a professional club so um, for me to be at a professional club and, and be doing that I, I don't know I think I, I, I really I really enjoyed being there and um, and going through it that way but I can see what you're saying so I think there is a lot of pressure on young kids at academies and um, you need to be mindful of that especially when kids get released at 13, 14 years of age and into nothing or 16 and, and it just needs to be a bit careful on, on where, where they go from that side but um, for me it was always enjoying enjoying my football and enjoying being there and uh, we had a good side and a good team at the time so um, yeah it was nice to come through with, with players that were there for years four or five years and even longer um, so yeah I, I, I enjoyed that aspect, aspect no. of it yeah that's good, mate, because I think like a lot of kids probably, it depends how they deal with the pressure and how it depends how they look at it. And like you mentioned, obviously getting released at a young age can be like detrimental, especially if it's kind of like, was it your like local team that you supported growing up at Aston Villa? No, or, no, uh, I'm from Northampton. So for, obviously um, that was a catchment area for Villa about an hour away, just under an hour away. So they were able to to come in and, and take lads from like Northamptonshire area and um, there's a couple of lads that went from Northampton at a young age but didn't make it past like 10 years old or something like that so yeah. um, but it's yeah it's, it's, a, it's a tough it is a tough situation for kids to be in and uh, mm -hmm. that's the way it is and um, I don't think that will change anytime soon to be honest yeah yeah uh, it's always going to be always going to be the same it's quite a distance so it was an hour away that you were kind of travelling yeah, yeah, times yeah. and stuff how yeah, are your parents school, yeah. at that? Yeah, what are your yeah. parents at that? I have yeah, to thank my mum and my dad for, for yeah. dropping me off so many. I'm the same, like an hour away. Yeah, dad did a few trawling journeys uh, <laughs> all around the country. So, yeah, you can't thank him enough, can you? That's the thing. But then yeah. it's nice that when, well, for me, that it gets to the other side where he's excited to watch me play and, and see this, all the hard work did pay off, if you like. So, mm. um but it's yeah, it's it's one of them that you, you you understand when you get older. I think how much they did for you and how much they they, they sacrificed to to be able to su support you and and do all the driving and, and uh, help you out as much as they can. Yeah, definitely. I think the par the parents are a big 
part almost of your success like in, in any any young lad or anybody who makes his professional football the parents are a big big part of it especially when they're yeah you don't realize it like you said drop them off at training and stuff at night time it's a it's a big ass especially when football is such a kind of it's a high risk environment in terms of like you can't get released you can't get let down you can get injuries and stuff like that um so was there any doubt in your mind or was there anything when you were younger if you can remember like that you were maybe like focusing on, right, I'm going to still study this at school so I can go to uni just in case, or was it always just like football's, football's the one yeah. thing and I'm just focusing on it? Yeah. Was it like one of the ones you sack school off completely or was it? I never, I never sacked school off, but I just never, it, it sound big-headed, but never in my mind did I not think I was going to make it. I just thought all mm -hmm. the way through that I felt as if I, I was, I, I was obviously taking it a year at a time and I get contract, 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 and then uh, 16, there was no contract and I was like wow so I was I wasn't expecting to still be signed on at that age but um I was five foot six at the time at 16 so it's uh, I think uh that might have had something to do with it but it's, it was it was I don't know I, I never felt like I wanted to do anything other than play football I know a lot of people are like that but I I also felt like I was still one of the best of my age group in every year that we went through so um it was just a case of um, I don't know, just working hard and, and making sure that I did the most that I could to, to carry on and, and, and proceed throughout the journey of an academy and then even through that onto the next stages. Yeah, I think that's it is the best mindset to have, but like coming from my perspective kind of thing, obviously not completely making it all the way, you do have that mindset at the time and you look back and think like, like there's so many other things that you could have done, but obviously you can't think like that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that... There is like there is a very very like fine balance between put everything into something, but then also understanding that if football doesn't work out, there is other kind of avenues and stuff like you talk about it, like young kids growing up. Is there anything that you would say to them? I don't know. You can't really say it because you said you had that mindset that you were just one hundred percent. Yeah, you can't. It's do you think that what sort of balance do you think they have? Do you think they should always be thinking like, what if this doesn't happen and stuff like that? Do you are you do you think if you want to be the best of the best? You've got yeah, to have that tunnel yeah. vision. I'm just going to make it. I, yeah, I always knew that even uh, bad injuries or anything like that could have, I don't know, at 17, 18 years of age, put me back out and, and having to, to find something to do. But like I said, I, I, I got good grades in everything that I did at school. I always managed to, to keep a high level in my, like, my education. So I did know probably in the back of my mind without even thinking about it that I would have something to fall back on without... Mm -hmm. um without not not with doubting myself but thinking that i don't know is a certain type of security that that would be there if i needed it but um yeah my, my full focus was always just making it through and and, and yeah. grafting really <laughs> so yeah no, it's, um, you've got to be you got to, it's obviously paid off which is the main thing yeah definitely yeah um but like you say i think it, it, whatever further education or different thing bits and pieces if that's what interests different people or um they can have that to fall back on i think it's yeah massively beneficial because you never you don't you don't know you might be the most talented or you might be um getting through uh age group stuff and then be let go or a bad injury so um yeah it's nice to to know that you've got something in the background that you can fall back on or other interests even um that you might study to to pursue in the future yeah, yeah definitely definitely so you mentioned briefly about your obviously getting released at, at Villa. it was at 16 but before the kind of scholarship age group yeah how did you, yeah 
How did you deal with that mentally? What was kind of your, your thoughts going through that sort of period? Um, just to get another club at the time, to be honest. I, yeah. I didn't... Um, I was... Like I said, I was I was I was surprised because I I actually thought I'd done enough to get a scholarship um, through what I'd done, but whatever, for whatever decision they decided to make, they they released me. So um, went from there, and uh, thankfully the goalkeeping coach Eric Steele and uh, Andy Quire that I had at Aston Villa uh, were in contact with uh, Steve Sutton at Nottingham Forest, who said, "I'll oh, have a look at this lad." So um, I went over there, and um, thankfully Sutton was. Uh, more than happy to have me, and, and that, that was it. I just went from there. So, uh, obviously, thankful for having another opportunity to not just be pushed out of the way, but for um, obviously Eric and Andy for recommending me, and then uh, such for such for keeping me on and, and progressing me like he did into number one goalkeeper at Forest. Yeah, yeah. I see you've had a good little group of goalkeeper coaches there. I see you mentioned Eric Steele there as well. So, you've had yeah, yeah. coming through the ranks, you've had some good coaches. Um, oh, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah, it's nice to see that they were actually helping you out move different clubs. I think a lot of teams, when they get the 16 players get released, they're kind of, they're just left to the, or even like at 18, they're just left to their own devices, which I think yeah, is yeah. a lot of the time why lads don't end up going on and like signing in other teams or they just end up sacking it off or going to play like uh, Sunday League or whatever it is. So it's nice cool. to see that, oh, don't worry, we're still, we're still going. We're going, yeah. yeah. it's nice to see that... Um, clubs are actually helping helping you out do you think that was a big a very important thing for you in terms of seeing that like even though you got released you've still got coaches that are backing you and they still want to see you yeah, progress. yeah. was it a big confidence it boost a, yeah it was a to be honest with you it was a managerial change at the time when the contracts were up so eric left and andy um had both left so they then very much on my side desperate to get me another mm -hmm. club because on their recommendation, I think they would. They would, well. They told me now that they recommended that they sign me, but for whatever reason, the academy director decided he he knew better than uh, the two goalie coaches. So after that, we had um, yeah, uh, Eric and Andy were both brilliant in terms of sorting me out and trying to find me um, a place that would suit me, and obviously putting um, a good name to myself and and the ability that I had at the time. Mm -hmm. So in terms of obviously signing for a signing like a, a scholarship apprenticeship sort of thing there, how was uh, your progression through the through the ranks there? Obviously, I know you went out on loan to a few few teams. What was it like in terms yeah, of yeah. your first two years? Did you go on loan in your first two year scholars, or was it just playing in the eighteens and then no, the no. afterwards? Yeah, I played all the I played all the under eighteen stuff, and at that time it was uh, it was different to the under twenty threes than now. It was reserve team games where they were. Um, first team lads so I learned a lot in them games because we'd have probably five or six lads that weren't playing on the Saturday playing the reserve team and I was playing at that like 17 18 um, and, and playing against some good players from uh, different teams that um, really helped help my progression I'd say and then when it, when it was right obviously went out to Newport County um, at the age of 20 I think it was it might be 19 20 mm -hmm. So um, I'd already had a bit of a taste with the reserve team football in terms of the, it was proper men's football. And then uh, going to Newport was a, even more of an eye-opener in terms of um, we, were, we were, well, they were down the bottom of the league and um, knew that people were depending on staying up to 
keep the wages and and it was it was one of them where you realize what it meant to people on uh winning football matches and, and staying and staying in the conference at the time was was massive for them so um i was pleased the guy had played eight games eight or nine games and managed to help them uh avoid relegation so it was it was brilliant um brilliant experience and then uh, went back again and uh went out to Walsall after that uh, yeah. yeah it was good it's good did you feel did you feel much pressure as a young lad going out on loan and obviously knowing that these lads are playing for like bonuses they're playing to stay up in the league and stuff did you feel that pressure as soon as you went in or was it kind of you just taking it as another game of football yeah no it was um i didn't feel so much pressure of, of, of that i think i didn't know what the standard was going to be like because i hadn't played professional football so i didn't know how how good it was going to be um but training wise and i was coping more than like more than enough and I knew that I was I was good enough to, to go in and, and do a job for them which is all I wanted to do I wanted to I knew that Forrest would be watching and I knew that um, there's a big job to be done for them in terms of staying up so I just wanted to do my best in terms of keeping everyone happy if you like and, and, and doing myself justice and yeah it was a big boost to go down there and, and do well in them games and uh, come back the following season mm-hmm. It seems like obviously apart from the little blip at um, at Villa, you still, but you still had the coaches kind of backing you to go into another team. Seems like it's kind of been on like a smooth little curve. Was there any like periods when you were a young lad, or maybe on a few loan spells, you made, like maybe I know you had a poor run of form, or your confidence dropped, you made a mistake in a game or anything like that that you can remember when you were younger. The the only real, not when I was younger, younger. The only real time that I remember thinking. We were in a bit of a mess here. It was when uh, we won about 15 games or 20 games at Forest without winning. We started off brilliantly, and then we we just couldn't uh, we couldn't buy buy a point or buy a win. So it was um, that was the point. More more team wise and uh, confidence was low. We that that's the only time I'd say I really thought, God, like just just give us a win or just give us <laughs> give us some points because we're desperate here. But we we had such a good start to that season, which made it even more. Uh, difficult and strange. I think we won the first eight games, and then went on a on a run of like fifteen or twenty games without a win, and we we're still only about eleventh or tenth because of our start. So yeah. um, that, that's that's the only time I I can remember where I thought, oh, we're struggling. I made I'd made a few mistakes that year as well, which probably um, didn't help. But it was it was a, it was one that you learn from, and uh, hopefully we won't be in that position again. <laughs> Yeah, touch wood, touch wood, mate. It's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst kind of place to be in, especially as a goalkeeper. Confidence is everything. Having obviously the managers back and everything so important. How did you feel you got yourself out of it, or do you feel like it was just one of the things that like one like one game you you got to win. You had a decent game. It's just you you pick yourself. Yeah, up from yeah. There. I think it is. I think the harder you try, sometimes the worse it gets. But I think you churn, especially with the championship, you're churning out so many games, you can get in a rut or you can get on a roll. I think when you look at us in that, uh, Newcastle, when we went up that season, you get on a roll and you win four or five, like bang, 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 and it lifts you straight out of wherever you need to be or up further. Uh, but we were just on the other side of it where we just couldn't seem to hang on or we concede a last minute goal. And it was, it was just, you just get yourself stuck in a rut. But I think, Eventually, you, you, if you dig in for long enough and you, you build your, your way back up and then it's just small building blocks from there, I think, to, to get your confidence mm-hmm. back and then just kick on. But it's, everyone goes through it. It's nothing to it's nothing to worry about, I don't think, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it's good that you're saying that kind of thing, because I think a lot, especially young lads, when the confidence goes, they're kind of thinking, like, this is the end, like, it's, it, I'm never going to get out. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Just, just, it's just like the old saying, trust the process and just keep on kind of yes, yeah, pursuing, yeah. doing what you're doing, and then good things will come as long as you're, you're doing your best. Can you think of anything yeah. that, anything like a particular coach or like, obviously when you had that, that period at, at, at Forest where you were struggling, anything that like a goalkeeper coach or I don't know, like a more senior player or manager has done to kind of help boost the confidence to kind of give you that pick up when you're feeling a little bit low. Can you think of anything that helped you um, in times where you've had a bit of a drop of confidence? I knew that I'd always be back by my goalkeeping coaches and then I think uh, I think they're the best people for you to go to because they understand where, where you're at and, and what you're going through. They've seen it all before. That's the thing with it. They, mm-hmm. they know where they've, they've been at. They've seen, they've seen the worst mistakes everyone has. I think once you get to a certain age, you, nothing shocks them anymore. So I think to confide in them and know that they're working with you, say, day in, day out, or once or twice a week, have you, if, if you're not like a professional footballer, that they're the ones that can, can help you and you can talk through it as long as each of you understand where you're at and, and that you're trying to get out of a blip I think I think they're the best people to, to be going to and, and listen. They, as long as they listen to you in terms of what you feel you need and you listen to them I think um, you can build quite a strong bond with your goalkeeping coach in terms of um, getting out of these little blips and, and obviously the same when things are going well you, you, you stay with them as well and, and mm-hmm. they reap the rewards like you do yeah, 100%. I think having that back, and I think at times where I've been and like had a good little spell and stuff, you feel like you've got, no matter what's going to happen, you've always got your coach backing you and the, knowing that they kind of are on your side gives you a boost anyway. It gives you the almost free yeah, to try something or like, or maybe try a pass that you wouldn't normally try or maybe like just just that, that back confidence knowing that, right, even if I make a mistake, like I've had to keep the coach say like, right, I want you to do this. It, it was like, um, I can't remember what it was, but it's, like it's something to do with high position. So if you're starting a little bit higher in a game, there's more chance of you obviously getting a cut back or something like that, or like a ball that's in behind. They literally said to me, if you get lobbed, we'll take it on the chin. Like, yeah, we want yeah. you to start high. So like little things like that, and just kind of say like, right, if there's something like that happens, no, like, you're not to blame. Um, having that sort of yeah. backing does help massively, especially when you're younger, talking about confidence and everything. Um, the times, like I said, where I remember where I was feeling good, that you've, you're playing with a bit of freedom is when your coach is back on you, he's positive. Even if you make a little error, he's like, go on, that's fine. He's not on your case straight away. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. think of yeah. times when I've I've had like a few bad passes or like, I don't know, not made a save that I like, I should have saved. And you've got a coach at the sideline who's yelling, you've got to do this, got to yeah, do that. It's yeah. the worst thing. Yeah. You just can't know you're thinking about is... You can see them in the corner of your eye. They're just thinking, like, That's, this isn't helping me at all. No, not um, during the game. I think I think you know you know how you're playing during a game or how you played after a game. You don't need someone yeah. yelling and balling out here afterwards, do you, to say, yeah, you've been at a bad game. I think you know if you've had a bad game. Yeah. Likewise, if you've had a good game, you know you've had a good game. So it's... Uh, yeah, sometimes you 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 best judge. I think of you, I think you know yourself whether you've done well or you could have done things better. And, and uh, obviously they help with with putting different things right. But um, I think mentally, you know, you know whether you've been you've played well or you've played poorly. Yeah, hundred percent. Have you ever had a situation where you've had a coach who's like that, who's like a touchline on the touchline during games and just yelling orders at you, yelling things at you. Have you ever had that situation? You don't have to like say who it is, but how did you? If, if you not had that, if, yeah. if you have, how did you deal with it during during games? 
Yeah, I think more more team wise, I've had managers that will will shout and ball. Um, but uh, I think after the initial shock of the first five games or so, when when they start yelling at you, ends up being white noise, doesn't it? And I think that yeah. I think you notice that more and more with players that um, play near the manager, say on the right hand side, when when the dugout's close to them they end up switching off and it has an adverse effect. So um, yeah. I think there's times for it to be done and times for it not to be done. But um, more, more often than not, you just try and absorb the information that you think, yeah, okay, he's, he's making sense here. I'll, I'll take that on or otherwise it's just uh, get on with it and, and, and try and distance it as much as possible and concentrate on your own game. Yeah, it's probably a similar thing to kind of like getting abuse from people behind fans because the we yeah, how do you how did you find that like starting off obviously coming from Forest Pin with the was there many fans at the reserve games and stuff back and then yeah there would be yeah but not as not as bad as like when as uh, the new when as a new court you'd have it's worse when you have less fans when there's like a thousand yeah. there or five hundred fans there because you hear every word and you can. You, you you know who's shouting it, but you can't do anything about it. So it's yeah. I think it's almost worse than than playing in these in big stadiums where it, it gets drowned out almost. Or if a, if the crowd's not as full, you can you can hear each individual uh, abuse. So, um, but no, it's, you you have to laugh it off, don't you? I mean, it's, <laughs> if you're shouting at shouting at people that are half your age and. You, yeah, he needs to yeah. life out, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that before. You're getting absolutely abused, saying this, that, and the other. And you're just thinking, like, you're like... Yeah, someone's sad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I'm just a young lad who, in goal just trying to play football, and like, you've got nothing better to do. But, like, like you said, the, the best way to deal with it is just, like, think about the situation that you're actually in. You've got this, like, 70-year-old blow behind you who's calling you... Even, like, even like well, to be fair, like, you can get, like, 12, 13, 14-year-olds doing this, shouting the same things that they shouldn't mm-hmm. be saying. Just got to think, like... Who are they to say sort of stuff? Like you said, laughing off. Um, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of young lads, if it's the first situation, it can get to the head and it can probably affect them a little bit. Um, but if yeah. you think about what what's the Enjoy situation it. you're actually in. You're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know they're, they're actually making a fuss about you. You're the one on the picture at the end of the day. So exactly. They're paying to watch position. you. Exactly. That's what you've got to think about. I like that. I like that one. So, yeah, obviously you finding the higher that you go in terms of playing in front of crowds... Would you say it's harder or easier? Because, well, one, obviously, there's a lot more people there, so there's probably is a lot more pressure, but then you can't hear them, the individual shouts as much. Would you say you kind of just get used to the increase in fans and increase in spectators and stuff like that? Or yeah, definitely. I think, to, uh, yeah. No, I think, again, I think with the, with my personal career, the way it's gone, it's gone from Newport with a 1,000 to Walsall with, oh, I don't know how many it holds, actually. 10, 15,000, whatever it is, mm-hmm. Forest 30,000 to Newcastle 50,000. It's, it's been like a gradual increase, and that step up's not been major from like 1,000 to 50,000, which uh, you obviously get the cup games where you'll end up playing in front of big crowds. But um, in terms of the way mine's, my, my career's progressed, it's kind of been steady steps each time it's increased. So um, it's worked out well, it's worked out well for me. Yeah. I can say so. Do you find that it just kind of you just kind of adapt to the situation? Like, all right, you, you go from ten thousand to twenty thousand. All right, this book now becomes a norm after a few games. It just kind of yeah, yeah. It's not like yeah, it's not as if like you've went from one thousand to fifty thousand. It's like whoa, this is a big yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah, have you ever been in that situation? yeah. Have you ever ever played in like somewhere and you've been like, 
whoa, this is like, I don't know, like, anyway, you've played. No, probably, probably the main one would have been my Forest debut when it was, I went from Walsall, who probably didn't get that many fans at the time. So there would have been five to 10,000 maybe in there to 32,000 packed out at Forest. And I think that's probably one of the, one of the times where I, it was, it was a big occasion anyway, because it's my debut. And then obviously the sheer number of fans again, would uh would would have a little bit of an impact. So that's the only time I probably really noticed it. And uh, yeah, St James's Park as well is obviously massive. So I think yeah. the the first time you play up here, it's a bit of a, a bit of a shock as well. But um, yeah. yeah, nothing nothing major. <laughs> <laughs> nothing major. Just fifty two thousand fans. <laughs> nothing, too, nothing too bad. So how do you how do you prepare mentally for games? Do you do anything? beforehand anything or rituals anything um no not normally rituals are normally just as long as my training week's been good and i know that i've i've put in work on the training ground and i know that i've covered everywhere that i feel i'm, that I'm confident in my game or um then then i'm more than happy and then obviously after that it's just uh getting yourself mentally prepared to to go into go into the game and, and know what what your expectations are what you want to where you want to be and what you want to achieve really from that game. So um, I think, uh, yeah, more, more on the mental side is just being prepared to to be at your best again and, and getting yourself and getting your body in the right state to, to be able to go and perform to your highest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think a lot of people can get too caught up in the rituals. I think I've done a podcast with a lad last week in Egypt. He said he said a nice because he, he's played in Italy. He said a nice Italian court. He's like some Italian player tournament, but it literally just means that people get too caught up in like rituals and stuff like that. All that happens is yeah. like you you you're in control of what you do, kind of thing. So if you pre- like you said, if you prepare right during the week and you know you've done everything possible, then on the pitch things should obviously just go right. So. Yeah, some people do. Yeah. Some people do like the routine. Have you seen any like people stressing with routines and stuff over the years? Um, no, not so doing? much. But I think I think people do it probably behind closed doors where no one can see it. And I think obviously, yeah. uh, if you do do something and then for whatever reason you get knocked off of it, I think that can affect your game because then mentally you're thinking, oh, I haven't done this this week. Whereas yeah. um, if if you're in the mindset where it's not so set in stone, as long as you're you're in and around that that basis you know you're gonna you're gonna be where you want to be mentally i think for for the start of the game yeah exactly that's that's what it's about because there's too many things that could go wrong and if it doesn't go wrong and you have a bad game yeah you're you're gonna be blaming it on that as well so it's all down to your performance at the end of the day so so as a keeper like obviously there's there'll be times in games or even like the start of games where you don't have a lot lot of action what kind of helps you settle into the game like obviously, ideally, it would be lovely to get a touch of the ball within like one minute, and then that's it. You kind of like, yeah, yeah. is there anything that helps you kind of settle? Or is it just kind of waiting for that first touch that helps you? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, no, I don't think about it too much. The only times I ever do is it goes past like ten minutes, the ten minute mark, I think, and I think, oh, I'm not touching the ball here. But then, yeah. I, I think sometimes it's it's, a, it's quite reactive goalkeeping in terms of shots and bits and pieces, so you don't, you can't really. You can't really go out your way to go and touch the ball like a centre midfielder or centre back would say, um, and demand the ball or get in a position to get the ball. You you do have to wait and you do have to be patient. But then um, it's just doing that thing well. I think as soon as it comes to you, then um, whatever it might be, um, just be ready for it and and do it and do it well. And then you're up and running to to go through into the game. So. 
Um, yeah, no, don't get too stressed about not touching the ball early. And, yeah. and I, I only started to think, oh, I've not touched it here, which is a bit odd sometimes, but yeah. uh, nothing, nothing, nothing too stressful. Yeah, I'm sure you're pretty, quite busy at Newcastle, mate, don't worry. I'm sure that doesn't happen too yeah, much yeah. at, at Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> not saying too much about that. But no, no, like, like you said, I think you mentioned it before about thinking too much about things. Like I'm, when I'm playing, if I'm thinking too much about the game and what's going on and what my touch is going to be like, then like that's when something bad goes wrong. That's when you make a mistake and stuff. So it's trying to be as relaxed as possible and just be be present in the game is probably the, the only thing you can yeah, really yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, massively, yeah. Yeah, so in terms of obviously we kind of jumped over it, but joining Newcastle, how did they like come come about? Did you cause I know you came and then you went back on loan. What was your kind of mindset going into obviously joining a big club like Newcastle? I know it's Forest is still a big big club, but Premier League level obviously a lot of history, a lot of stuff like that. Did you go into the mindset in terms of thinking I want to be the number one as soon as I come back on loan kind of thing? Obviously, just kind of one of them things where see what happens. Yeah, more more that I knew. Uh, I think I was still uh, still young for a goalkeeper to be to be coming up here, and Tim Crawl had obviously been playing for however many years up here as the number one. So it was more a case of coming up and um, really feeling it out probably for the first first season and, and seeing like where I'm at compared to Premier League players and and watching Premier League games, traveling around watching Premier League games, which is which is good I think to to bed yourself into it a little bit and. Um, but I've, I've obviously I still had aspirations of playing and wanting to and wanting to be part of the team. But I think um, coming up here, you have to know the situation. That, I knew the situation was that Tim was number one at the time and um, fully supported, and I wanted to learn from him because he'd done uh, such a good job for the club for so many years. So um, it was more about training with with better uh, better quality. Uh, goalkeepers, I suppose, and and players, and and adjusting to that, and then uh, taking it from there. There was there was no real major thing in my head saying oh, I need to come in and, and be number one. I just I just took it as took it as it was, and and um, wanted to prove myself throughout training and take it from there. Because mm-hmm. there's been a lot, obviously, long long periods where a lot of goalkeepers get the periods where they're going to be in that number two or even like a number three position for a long period of time. Like even if you're training well and stuff like that, you might not get your chance. How did you how did you cope with that mentally or was it just one of them things like to be fair, like you mentioned, just in terms of just kind of feeling that out and then training, doing everything you can during the week and waiting for your chance? Does it get frustrating as well at times? Kind of being in that uh, number two, yeah. Travelling around. Yeah, of course. I think you want to play every game that you can. So it's it, yeah. if you're training you're training well every week and nothing at the end of it was was tough and um it's just always waiting for for an opportunity, um, which was out of my control in a way, because he, he he's had the shirt, Martin obviously, and and um, was playing really well week in week out, and there was there was no way he was going to get dropped and wasn't picking up injury, so it was a case of waiting for an opportunity to to come in, and then um, know that I've I'd, I'd worked hard and um, would be prepared for that because it could be it could have been at any moment that he, he got injured or or. Or had a lack of form or whatever, but um, it was just it was just biding my time and waiting for for, for that chance to to come in and, and try and prove that I can I can be um, a good goalkeeper for this club. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about because I remember when Martin came in, 
I remember at the time, I, it would have been a frustrating, because I was thinking at the time this was supposed to be frustrating recall, because Martin came in, I think the week before you got man of the match, the Palace, mm-hmm. I think. How was, because yeah. I, I was thinking at the time, like, that, that, that would do my head in, like, you've done nothing wrong, it's just one of them things, that like, it happens in football, like, they bring someone else in and, maybe like I don't know whatever it's, there's so many much politics and football and stuff like that someone comes in and just goes straight into the squad how did you how did you cope with that obviously you don't have to go into too much detail about, but in terms of like <laughs> the frustration and everything like that how did how did you cope with that one you just say to yourself yeah it's, yeah, it's oh, tough I've, I've done all I can <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much yeah um, yeah it was this is a frustrating period of time um, but then just got back to the training ground and, and, and worked hard to, to try and get back in the team but obviously didn't happen so it was uh, for whatever yeah. reason and that's about as much as I can say yeah you didn't spit spit your dummy out and start doing all this that and other, but nah, no, you're going to nah, keep nah. it no nah, no nah, it's fair that's fair enough to be fair because it's it is one. Of them, there's going to be so many situations when players come in like especially at the level they are at when players are, like teams are buying players in for ridiculous money and stuff like that and they are expected to play no matter who's yeah, played beforehand whether they've got man of the match whether they've done really well again it can be frustrating with the, with the politics of football at whatever level it is never mind the Premier League lower down yeah, um, yeah. so I think like, like you said there if that does happen it's just about like, you obviously hold your hands up and say right, I've done everything I possibly can in this situation I've just got to keep doing what I'm doing maybe have a quiet word with the manager or something like that but I think yeah. having a cool head up, cool head about it's the best way yeah, to definitely. go about it. Yeah, um, and then obviously, think. yeah, just just keeping your training going. I think because at the end of the day, the only person you you're gonna affect is yourself in the long term. If you if you start being overweight or not training as hard as you should be, then there's nothing to say that he wasn't going to get injured in that first game or the second game. And and if you're not right, then you have to go back in. You, you're going to be detrimental towards yourself. So I think uh, it's, it's professional attitude and making sure that you carry on and, and do the right thing so that you are ready in case you have to go back in and, and um, what would be a difficult situation after coming out of the team. But it might well happen that you're back in um, yeah. and you have to go and prove yourself again. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say another point as well. Like If there is that situation where, especially as a keeper, when someone comes in front of you, you can't kind of have any hard feelings towards that that no, no, goalkeeper no. who's going and you at the end of the day if he's starting yeah it's the, luckily the like normally the gk union as we call it is kind of quite tight yeah, yeah. anyway because it's a difficult position to be in but then if someone's ahead of you and they're starting i think as a keeper you've still got to do everything you can like during the week in the warm-up before the game to help that keeper you can't be like having hard feelings or like blaming no, him no. And, and not like for example the training like not serving balls properly at the, the other keeper who's starting. No, no. you've got to kind of You've got to be professional, like you said, and just keep going about your own business and kind of represent yourself in a good way rather than spitting the, spitting the dummy out and, and kind of losing that professionalism and just keep doing what you do, which I think you've done. Yeah, massively. You've got, your, you've got your chance now to, to season. I think you've been... Yeah, yeah. I had a worldly against Tottenham. Um, yeah, yeah. And just progressing. Pen, pen, you had a pen save the other night, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. You forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody cares about that when you, no. you get beat. I still save the penalty. No, no. <laughs> no, it's been good. I've had a good start, so just need to, to carry on working. And and um, like I say, it's it's goalkeeping. You never know, do you? So you just carry on no, no. Uh, doing the things that doing the things that you've been doing. And um, as long as you can look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and say, "I've trained as hard as I can and, and done the best that I could on the pitch," and 
you can't have any regrets, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Goalkeeper is one of the hardest positions. Like, I, I, personally, in my opinion, I think goalkeeper is probably a solid maybe 80% mental and the rest is just technical and stuff because there's so much pressure. Um, this, like, literally, if we make a mistake, it's it's a goal at the end of yeah, the day. It's in. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's in straight away. So talking about, obviously, ups, ups and downs of football, there's been spell, obviously, being at Newcastle, it's always ups and downs with the fans, obviously, they can turn on your back. 100%. How do you deal with, um, say, like criticism in this in the media? Obviously, at a high level, there's a lot more kind of coverage of games. There's a lot more pressure, and you got social media, Twitter, commentators on Sky Sports and stuff. How do you personally deal with any criticism, like from from anybody, fans, social media, and stuff? Or do you just kind of block it out? Yeah, no, I think it's only more recently, probably the last few years, that I think as we've got through it, that. Um, you start to understand how to deal with that type of thing and make it more of a motivation to to go out and, and prove people wrong or to um, to to do what you can to to stop people saying different bits and pieces. But I think it's part of growing up, and I think obviously um, with the social media platforms now, you just have to be a bit careful with with where you're looking or what what you're on at the times. I think before games. I'll try and just stay off of social media and just and just concentrate and zone in on on matches um, because it doesn't matter too much. Well, it doesn't matter at all really towards your own performance. What people are saying about you, as long as it, mentally you're you're ready and like you say you're in you're in a strong place before you you start the game, then you, you just need to to block it out and uh, just not let it affect you. Which is easier said than done, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially especially with young young lads, young players coming through that. Um, might make debuts or might play here and there and, and get hammered afterwards. It's, it's it's a tough it's a tough platform to to be reading about yourself and um, especially with the younger generation reading it constantly and it, it can affect people mentally definitely. So um, it's just yeah, I think using it as a motivation probably one of the best things that you can do and um, and make yourself stronger um, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the good thing that I think has probably helped you is your progression, like we talked about in terms of going to different teams, different stadiums and stuff, is it's been very gradual through the ranks. And I think when a lot of players struggle is the likes of the ones who maybe come from academy set up in the straight with the first team because they went from like nothing to everything and then everybody's, all the attention's yeah. on them. If they make a mistake, everything's on them. Whereas you've probably had that nice progression, which I think is kind of each level that you've played at is kind of built up a little bit more resilience, a little bit more mental toughness. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of set your, like you can tell now that you're like, it, if anybody was to put something on social media or I say something about you, you're probably quite like, kind of like not emotional to it. It doesn't let it affect you at all, which I think is a good thing which stands you in good stead because your career, yeah, especially yeah. at Newcastle, it's been very kind of, and you don't know if you're playing or not playing. Obviously, if you've done well at a certain point and then you've been took out the team for whatever yeah, yeah. reason it or another, you've got to be kind of very much emotionless at times towards it and just kind of keep yeah, yeah. cracking on. Which I think, like, like I said, stands you in good stead. Which I think a lot of a lot of young lads will probably find very very difficult. Um, yeah. Which is which is obviously like I said, very it's good good to see kind of thing. So I think a lot of young lads can kind of take that to what you've been through especially as a goalkeeper and kind of put it into into perspective in their life, which is definitely very good. So yeah. one thing I wanted to talk about in terms of like mental struggles, I know you briefly talked about the the spell at Forest where confidence in the whole team was kind of 
struggling. Was there any other period where it was just more personally yourself in terms of confidence or you felt like you you weren't yourself on the pitch or anything like that? Was there, was there any moment that you can think of, even at your castle or at a spell, even if like a few games where you were a little bit lower after a few games or anything like that? Well, there would have been, but nothing that really... I, I don't know with me, I try and blank it out afterwards for some reason. I don't know. I, yeah. I deal with a lot of things mentally, like quite internally and, and deal with them and then I move on and then that's it. Like I just, they're, they're just gone. Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't name, I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't tell you like a period of time where I'd say like mentally, oh, I really struggled here or mentally I really struggled there. I, pr- I have, I probably have, but I, that's just the way I go about dealing with it because I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't. I don't like to talk out about it, and I know a lot of people don't. But I, I've, yeah. I'm, I manage it. I managed to manage with it myself for whether it's a day or a week or whatever, and then um, always get over it and go for uh, if it's like football wise. I always think, well, I've got another game around the corner, so I'll go and do it in that one, and, then, and yeah, that's yeah. it. And then I'm and then I'll move on. So um, I couldn't. I couldn't pinpoint or tell you exactly what yeah. games or or after what period because. I don't know. I've managed to forget it somehow. I think that's something I've probably built up as well. It's probably not a good yeah, time. Yeah. Lucy goes mental about me, my memory all the time. So I think I've, I've probably managed to, to to be quite quite good in and quite laid back in terms of dealing with stuff and then and then letting it go. And that's it. I'll just move on and, and take the next week. So um, yeah. that's the way. That's my own personal way of dealing with things, and and, and that's how I am. So. Yeah, I know it's decent. It's, it's like a blessing, but also a curse at the same time. Being very yeah, kind yeah, of emotionless, yeah. but I think to be a goalkeeper, especially at the top level, you've got to have that. Like there's so many yeah, yeah. kind of high-profile footballers who are making big errors and stuff like that. Not just well, not just on the pitch, but you can see it now off the pitch quite a bit. Like even if you're making a something yeah. on social media, something with a girlfriend or whatever it is, like you're going to be criticised for it. So I think you've got to have it, or else you're going to struggle. Um, yeah, which is like. But there's obviously yeah, there's, there, everyone has their own different way. I mean, I don't know. You mm-hmm. you're probably you're probably different to me, and everyone's different. But that's like, like personally, that's the way I go about things. And then if it, if it helps for other people to talk out about it or speak to a friend, like I've I've had lads come and speak to me about like mentally being like having problems, and I chat to them all day long. Like I understand that side of it. It's just that mm-hmm. that's that I'm a different. I have my own different way of of dealing with. Like my own, my own sort of mental doubts or, or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, yeah. No, that's good, mate. That's good. Good to see. Anyway, so how do you switch off from football? Do you feel like you need to kind of when you're away from football, you want to completely switch off? I saw the armor about it. He was the same, just saying. When he's away from football, he's found over the years the more important, like the more important is to switch off from football at times and it not being your whole life and like watching five games on a Sunday after you played on it on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you kind of like that switch off? Do you still like to still watch the games and stuff and stay involved? Yeah, no, I, w- I will. Yeah, I will. I will watch games, but not not loads and loads. I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch pick and choose ones that I look through the week and think, oh, I want to watch that, and then I'll go and tune into that. But um, I won't. I won't like smash out the whole Super Sunday of like four yeah. or five games in a row. Um, I'll pinpoint games that I want to watch or goalkeepers that even that I want to watch and learn learn from or I think that I might pick up a thing or two from and, and take it from there. But um, switching off wise, I'll come back and then um, I don't know. I play quite a lot of golf, obviously, and then um, in the winter we'll just. 
be the PlayStation, I think, and box sets. So, it's, uh, it's just, yeah, but it's, it's, it's important to, to come back and switch off because it's, it's an intense amount of time that you're in training switched on. And if you, if you take that in throughout the week, mentally, you'll be drained by the time you get to the game, which is the last thing yeah. you want. Um, you normally try and mentally switch on towards the game. Like I say, Thursday, Friday, going into the Saturday game, I think, right, I want to do or visualize this or do this and do that. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do, and, and take it from there. Rather than having the whole week of like building up, building up, I'd rather yeah. just smash it out through there, and then bang, you're off again. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's my own way of dealing with it. Yeah. 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 So have you worked with a psychologist or anything in the past? Or has it all just been kind of like for yourself? Yeah, all through myself. I think I, I'm, I'm, I know myself and I know my body, so I manage manage myself. I mean, clubs have psychologists, but. Uh, for me, I, I don't feel much benefit from them, if I'm honest. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I might do if I had a load of sessions or I was forced to have lots of sessions. I might well do. I don't know. But um, my personal way of going about it is to, to deal with it myself and um, manage manage different different bits and pieces uh, the way I need to and the way that, that I think I, I can and, and the way that I think's right. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my, that's my own way of going about it. Yeah, so you can tell whatever whatever like path you've been on, whatever it is, you've built up this resilience, which I think, like I've, I mentioned before, if your young lads can build that resort, same sort of resilience, it can help them yeah, massively yeah. in terms, massively in terms of their career. So, one last thing is, what sort of advice would you give to any young? We'll talk goal specifically goalkeeping. Any young goalkeeper coming up through the ranks, kind of how would you? What little bit of advice would you say to them? Um always enjoy it I think always enjoy football and always work as hard as you can to to develop what you want to be and where you want to turn into I think it's good for young kids to to have goals and to to try and get to different bits and uh, get to different places Um, so there's always something to aspire to or uh, be motivated to work towards so I think I think that's important and yeah just enjoy it and and enjoy the work because it's football it's, it's there to be enjoyed isn't it that's, that's, that's yeah, the main mate. thing that gets that gets lost throughout all of it I think especially um, like you say going back to academy days I think the, the fun element needs to stay in and uh, remember the kids at the end of the, like whatever age if you're working with eight nine year olds and just uh, make sure they enjoy the enjoy their football and, and, and continue to develop, to develop them at the same time I think that they're the yeah. most important things yeah, whenever you whenever you enjoy anything you do, you just that's when you're at your best. Like I, like I said, when I'm when I look back to times where I've played good football, to when I've enjoyed it, it just feels natural. Don't have to think about anything. So enjoyment's massive, and what, what anything that you do, definitely. So did you have a look at the yeah. uh, the three questions I sent you right yeah. then? The I, I haven't got an answer for the first one. <laughs> have you not? Have I've, you got no, I've, got, I've got no one that I want to come to my dinner party. <laughs> don't want to talk to anybody. I just I just want to sit at, sit on my own. Have my food and go to bed. Yeah, quite happy. I'll sit on my own and be here. The only people I'd have is family. And I'd be quite happy. I've got no, nothing really. I'd, I was having to think about it, but I was... I don't know. No one. No. Hey, mate, you can see your quite, family. I'm quite happy in my own little bubble with my family and, and friends. And that's it. But... Yeah, so yeah, I'll say family for that. I'm happy with that, mate. I'll take that answer. I like that answer. And then the second one's obviously people you'd want to train with, so three people football-wise. Yeah, I think right now, 
Yeah, right, right. Or you could even go in. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, or you could go in the gym because obviously fitness background as well. You could say if you want to somebody in the gym that you want to train with, you could add them in as well. All right. Uh, you, you can keep the football if you want. Well. <laughs> Stick the football. Yeah, I get it. So I've just went goalkeepers. So the ones that go are on probably then. at the minute are like um, Oblak. I'd say he's probably been one of the best in the world now for the last five years. Athletic and um, the, the way he, he plays, I think um, would be interesting to see how he trained um, to Stegen as well. He's, he's probably been one of the best in the world for the last few years, at least as well. Um, agile and uh, quick and great feet. So I'd like to, yeah, be with him. And then uh, Edison, I've gone for as well. So I'd go with them three. Yeah. Is it three goalies that I think would um, you'd learn a lot off um, in a training session or training sessions from from them three and, and see what what sort of stuff they get up to and and how they develop and um, what they do in the in the, in their training sessions. Yeah. No, it's solid three. And the last one, one thing you'd say to yourself five years ago. Five years ago, I'd have been twenty-five. <laughs> um, oh, I've always gone through the same sort of motto that I think every, everything will be all right and everything will work its work itself out the way the way that you you go about it and the way you want it to to be. So that's that's sort of a life motto rather than the, the like the five years type thing but yeah, yeah everything will be okay it'll, it'll figure itself out in, in one way <laughs> or another that's the type that's the type of thing that I, that I tend to to go with and and look to uh, live my life by really yeah just happy go lucky sort of thing and life will just kind of as long as you do the work yeah yeah quite, yeah quite laid back and yeah and believing believe in yourself and believing um yeah like the process like you said before and and that everything that you you do and, and you work towards will eventually be rewarded and um yeah that's that's the sort of sort of way i go about it really which is nice. yeah quite chilled <laughs> quite quite chill mate. i like it i know i like yeah, that yeah. there we go yeah there we go it's been an absolute pleasure we're gonna see what i think of a shout out that um mr jason batch of new barber i don't know when did you get a, a trim last because mine's not fresh anymore you'll you'll be disappointed that i haven't done mine you'll you'll be very disappointed that i haven't done mine after I've just had a shower, uh, so sorry, Bash. Didn't even make an effort in. for me, did you? Nah, uh, I'm sorry, mate. I've, I've just put my hoodie on and then that's it. I'm happy to go on. just chill. I'm chilled out with all. But yeah, thanks for coming on, mate. Yeah. I appreciate you thanks, coming mate. on talking. I'll, um, no, it's for good. Everybody, Enjoyed it. I'll leave, leave your social medias and stuff. If anybody wants to message you, they can message you. Because I always say to people, if there's any questions or anything they want to ask myself or anybody, just fire them away. Um, but thanks for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. Oh, pleasure. Brilliant, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers. So thank you very much if you listen to this full episode. And again, thanks, Carl, for coming on. Some great stories, some great insights into the mind of obviously a Premier League goalkeeper. So a lot of things that a lot of young footballers can learn from and anybody in general can learn from. So as always, as I always say, if you enjoyed the podcast, share it on your Instagram stories, on Facebook, on Twitter, if you're on Twitter. Unfortunately, I'm not on Twitter yet, so I might need to get one, but share it. Uh, share it with a friend as always if I, if you can copy the link and send them a text send them a message and just share the podcast and spread the word that would mean a lot to me as well and feel free to drop myself a message about any of the episodes or see any guests 
or if you want to see any of the guests, I should have said. But yeah, just drop me a message and I'll be happy to try and get somebody on or answer some of your questions if you have any. So again, thank you very much for listening to this episode. This has been Process.